0: Welcome to the Poetry Questions TPQ20, where we sit down with your favorite authors to talk about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. My name is Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation.
1: Okay. Have we already started?
0: Yeah! I mean, you know, we're here, we're in a room, why not? So I get get to be outside today as they're uh, working on my house inside. And you know, it's already, I think it's already about 85 degrees out here in Portland. So.
1: Portland, Oregon or Maine? Oregon. And uh, anything I say from here on out can be used against me. Is that correct? We're already, (laughs) we're already inside the podcast. We are, but I can always edit things when needed. So yes. (laughs) Great. Anything I say about my mom? edit it, and anything I can say to be publicly shamed for the 17th time, edit that too. Only the 17th? 17 or 18. I lost count at some oh, point yeah. in there. Yesterday, I almost posted sadists or pussies, but then I realized that's going to cause number 18.
0: <laughs> yeah, but what if it's true? I mean, come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, fair enough.
0: <laughs> so, How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you for hanging out on TPQ20 today. Uh, I'm super excited to get to talk to you. You were actually one of the first poets I saw live uh way back it's been like 12 15 years at this point but way back when uh at uh, portland poetry reading um so i am excited to uh to where like was that. this do you remember god it was where <sighs> I'm trying to remember where portland poetry slam started out because it was early it was early on somewhere in southeast portland but i don't remember exactly where
1: 1999 was the first time i went to portland god i don't know if that might be that long ago that's 23 that's 23 years ago that was the first that was the first time i ever went anywhere outside of seattle i believe because they were paying me they were paying me a whopping 50 dollars so i i drove (laughs) all the way down to make sure i did the show
0: well at that point in time gas was cheap enough that that worked (laughs) indeed (laughs) so um I always like to start things off by saying, you know, I know who you are, but some of our audience may be new to your work. Um, So if you were to kind of give the bio that your publicist doesn't have, um, you know, who would you say you are? Uh, Someone who doesn't
1: have a publicist.
0: (laughs) I do like those answers too. (laughs) Uh,
1: Who am I? I'm part saint, part fraud. I am uh, uh, someone who really loves for people to look on the bright side I like to uh, go f- I like to gen- generally lay out the nasty of it and write my way into the good of it. It's always sh- there's always some sweet little redemption in there so I, I present <laughs> as, as a redeemable person uh, and then there's also the reality that I would have been one of the apostles to sell out Jesus so
0: <laughs> yes
1: I like that. And not not that I'm proud of it, because like when I was a kid, I was you know, Jesus was my jam. And uh I I read the I read that story how he was denied thrice. And <laughs> and then and then about Judas selling him out for 30 pieces of silver. Or thirty pieces of thirty coins. I'm not sure what it amounted to. Maybe it was silver, right. maybe it was gold. Nobody really gives a shit, but Jesus uh, Judas sold him out, and uh I couldn't believe that anyone would do that. I mean, it was Jesus. But in recent years, and especially recently, I've done enough damage to my own karma, accidentally and sometimes just because I'm a jackass by accident. Wait, the same thing, isn't it? It sounded like something a jackass would say. Um, (laughs) Recently, I've discovered that I'm probably somebody who would have sold out Jesus and not wanted to, but do it for whether it was immediate gratification or who, who knows. Like that's a that. long ass. That's a long ass self-deprecating shitty answer for who I am right now. <laughs> but the I truth is, I'm I'm a I'm, I'm a I'm a recovering poet in every sense of the word, and uh, I uh, I live in Porto, Portugal, and I'm eight hours ahead of you both physically and mentally
0: (laughs) hey i like it i think you need to find for your shirt though should have been i'm the poet who sold out jesus i think that's it
1: (laughs) i don't know if i'm ever going to promote this for you chris no no offense i just i just i don't know if i can stand to hear what everything i just said but we'll (laughs) we'll keep trying maybe i will redeem myself
0: i think i think we'll be all right because um So you are one of the most expressive poets out there. At least I've always thought so. I love watching you perform because you put your everything into it. You can see all the passions that you have behind it. I mean, you make a room just stop and listen. And it's an amazing, it's an amazing skill set to have. But what gets you excited? Who are, you know, what, what are the things that you are passionate about? Maybe outside of the world of poetry that brings it into your world of poetry?
1: that's a good question Uh, i feel um my thoughts being disjointed on this so it may go a couple it may go a couple directions yeah um do you have a tiny little dog no i have chickens in the background is it chickens (laughs) you know i wrote a book on chickens right
0: they, I don't know that you wrote a book on chickens, but they are going crazy out there for something. They must have found some type of food. <laughs> I'm,
1: I'm, I'm dead serious. I wrote a book called Hen House, and it looks just like a penthouse magazine, and it's about backyard chicken keeping in urban and suburban areas. <laughs> I used to own a lot of chicken. I had a lot of fowl, actually. Um, but wait, the question is, what what gets me off? Okay, here's here's the, the first thing that comes to mind about capturing the audience is – an intuitive awareness that nobody want that people expect to be bored by poetry, but it's what I loved to do. So I had to make I didn't have to make it exciting. It just intuitively, I wanted to make it exciting. I understand the importance of state changes in teaching both or all three um, kinesthetically, auditorily, and visually. So I had to give all those things just from my body. And uh, and then when I was younger, I think there was a seed planted. And if I'm going to get really specific. I think there was a seed planted largely by Perry Farrell from Jane's Addiction. Seeing him live vibrate out of his goddamn body, I mean, he, he was probably really high. But but <laughs> I, I, I would watch him vibrate out of his body, and then I would watch Van Morrison's voice vibrate out of the fucking stratosphere. So th- th- there was something about vibration that I knew was necessary. I also knew I already had an energy engine that I could utilize. Um, I got lucky enough to be born with Well, it's a blessing and a curse, passion. It's a little bit overrated. Um, It causes just as much trouble as it does good. (laughs) Um, So, but what I'm passionate, so that's the passion I wanted to bring. Um, If they're going that crazy, by the way, it means either one of them just laid an egg or there's a predator.
0: No, I just, I just looked behind me. They're sitting at the edge of the poop. I'm going to plug in these headphones
1: instead. (laughs)
0: Yeah, they're standing up at the coop, so they are watching the others lay eggs right now.
1: <laughs> okay. Or or it also means there's a change of guard. It means whoever the alpha is has just gotten weak and, and they're fucking with her.
0: Ah, I like that. That's interesting. I, I will say our, our probably most sturdy one has been hanging out in the coop garden a lot of eggs lately. Okay. So
1: <laughs> Do you have a Banty
0: by any chance? Uh, no, we have a Jersey giant, is the one you're hearing
1: oh there's a yeah. beautiful.
0: oh they get to be like three to four feet big this one's two yeah. years old and just it's it towers over everybody it's white no it's deep deep black so it's uh, yeah, the
1: jersey giant you know for sure it's a jersey giant mm-hmm. yeah well touche on me i thought the jersey giant was was white and always white uh and i thought well, let's not talk chicken. Let's talk poetry. <laughs> I had an ostrich in mind when you were talking. OK, when we get into black, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Listen, so passion that I bring uh, or passion that I get outside of poetry, here's the thing. I'm a masochist to an alarming degree. And, um, and something I just learned uh, in watching psychologists on YouTube talk about masochism is that we don't know what we want. And nothing ever bummed me out so much as that truth. The only reason the only reason I made it in, in, in poetry is because it was my highest excitement and I was just doing it. And it ended up working out. But I've never been a strong strategist or I don't have a publicist. I don't have team. <laughs> I would have loved all those things, but I've never been strong at strategy. And I haven't always I haven't I don't always have a clear vision of what I want, whether that's familially, um, financially, or otherwise. So I have to say that the only thing I've ever known that I've wanted was a witness. And so the passion is automatically generated by the giving and taking of witness when I'm on stage. It's when I'm the most present. I find presence to be the most um, important thing in existence uh, which, you know, presence now, Fucking mindfulness, whatever you want to. Don't call it mindfulness, but whatever you want to call it, um, it's most important. And so this job allows me access to that every time I get, every time I perform, and I just electrically get lost in it, and I'm overjoyed yeah. to do so. I'm overjoyed to. I'm accidentally s- sudden anyways, and 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 uh, fast and. Strange and I'm not unaware of it. I try and tone it down, but when I'm on stage I just get to go. And there's nobody taming that engine. and uh, so where I derive passion from or also is life experience movies and music, but I'm not a well-read poet and I don't love to read.
0: Well then with that said, what uh, what are a couple of your favorite movies?
1: Uh, oh, that's tough because there's so many. Um, my first proclaimed favorite movie was in the 11th grade, uh, Shawshank Redemption. Okay. Um, but as we move, I, I love, uh, and then, and then Gummo at one point, mm. and then Lars and the Real Girl, and then, um. So you really like the
0: visually stunning, like you, you love the cinematography effect of those movies too then. I mean, those are, those are beautifully filmed movies.
1: And well, and lyrically, I'm, yeah. I know I'm, I know I'm leaving out some of my, some of the greats. I mean, I, 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 there's been, and, and the more time progresses, the better movies get, yeah. Because, because of just general evolution in cinema and consciousness. Oh, uh, cinema and consciousness. I have not had a chance to see everything everywhere all the time yet, but I know when those guys made Swiss Army Man, I was blown away. Wow.
0: Yeah, I haven't seen that one either yet. I've seen Swiss Army Man. That was brilliant.
1: It, it is, and I've got that soundtrack. I still listen to that soundtrack. Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano was amazing, it, and singing with the Manchester Orchestra was a is is something altogether special. That's the biggest sleeper. I can't believe. I mean, it's Daniel Radcliffe and Paul Dano yeah. and a few people give this movie any attention.
0: Come on, Daniel Radcliffe is only Harry Potter.
1: Right, right? <laughs> he's badass. Oh, he he's, is, am- he's amazing. He's proven himself unbelievable. He did a, did you see the one where he is lost in the Amazon? The true story where he's lost in the Amazon? Mm-mm. Oh, fuck, you just Google it. I don't know what it's called. Right on. Very it's a true cool. story about him and two friends lost in the Amazon uh, with a guide, uh, and that's all I'll tell you cool right on it's stunning um
0: as someone who has spent so much time between stage and page uh i guess um where do you find that you're uh are you more comfortable i mean you kind of talked about it with passions but are you more comfortable on a stage in front of people or are you more comfortable kind of drafting and being behind the scenes
1: oh fuck behind the scenes i need to be up there Yeah.
0: Are you so you write when you write down, when you sit down to write poetry, you're writing for performance then, more than page or is there a difference for you
1: since COVID? It's a little different. I've always known that it's going to see the light of day in front of an audience. So at no point am I not aware that like I'm writing for me and to get it out of my body and to somehow try and traumatize all the chaos in some sort of (laughs) order uh, so that I can understand what's happening. So basically, you know, it's it's for me. But when I'm writing, I'm not unaware that it needs to be applicable in a universal way and in a way that I'm not leaving my shit on other people's shoulders, but I'm causing some sort of... uh, uh, Oh, I don't even want to use the word hope, but... I'm causing some sort of forward movement in the thought thought process. uh, Just to show that we... The law of nature has changed, man, so this too shall pass, and <laughs> how heavy it is. So anyways, when I'm writing, if it gets too heavy, I- I'm always aware of like, uh, like you know, as an example, when I wrote Human the Death Dance, it's a heavy fucking piece. Mm-hmm. And there's, a, there's a point toward the end where I was like, you know, come on in, welcome as you are, have a look around, stay out of my porn. Like there was a, the moment when I knew I needed, I'm, I needed to provide some, some element of comic relief, even yeah. no matter how minute it was.
0: Ooh, human, the death dance. So, so, you and Sage Francis, huh? Uh
1: yeah, yeah. Um, I had written that poem in, in in my in my head at a meditation center. Ooh. And uh, Sage and I had t- I had told him about this title that I was obsessed with that I was going to use. <laughs> and um, and I got out of the center and uh, I said, Sage, I wrote that poem in my head. And he goes, Dude, I'm going to name my album it. And so when I when I read the poem to him and he had finished the album and they were in sync with each other um well thank goodness it was i mean what what poet gets to say he went on tour and in in, in in the house of blues and fillmore and all you know amazing rock venues everywhere i did i got to thanks to sage thanks to ani uh, well and that's i mean and that's
0: a pretty it's a pretty incredible feat to walk up there as an opener uh and perform for that type of crowd that might not it's funny to think a crowd that's going to see sage francis i would hope would be there to really listen to that lyrical content as well but how did you feel performing in front of you know in front of an audience that was there for musicians
1: i was terrified i knew that they were there to see hip-hop i knew that that's not what i am and um and I'm also over, overly self-aware and self-conscious, anyways. And so I was terrified. I had even gone so far. I was, I was, I didn't know how I would be received in a hip hop crowd. Period. I was also still. There was something still in me that was terrified about being gay in front of a hip hop crowd. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I had, I just had so many judgments on the crowd. I, I, I was so terrified that I had even developed heckler comebacks like if somebody yelled that I was a if, if somebody would have yelled faggot I knew exactly what I was going to say so I uh, uh, I'm, I'm hung up on the idea that you probably want to know what that was <laughs> so
0: you know I'm always curious if you got a it, good comeback in there it just you know? it
1: could get me it could get me shamed again like number 19 but <laughs> But I remember I remember that I, I knew if somebody at any one of those concerts would have yelled faggot, I would have asked them if they had ever had their ass kicked by a faggot. And if they had said no, I would have said, well, the difference is when I'm done, I'm going to fuck you. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I was actually pumped because <laughs> I had more confidence in my faculty of fighting than I did of pulling off my set on stage in front of the same crowd. It turns out, though, in defense of my attack of everything, Sage's crowds were fucking incredible and yeah. welcoming, and and you're right, they were they they they're not gonna come to a Sage Francis concert and not ex not not be there for content. Yeah, and he's yeah, got I, no gimmick. He's there's no there's no throwing your arms in the air and there's no uh, and not unless there's a punchline to the end of it.
0: Right well and i guess i remember i think the first time i saw sage uh at the roseland in portland mac lethal was the opener um and he did it all without any music he he had the crowd sit down um and he Mac lethal sat on the front of the stage and he did it as a like a spoken word poetry set nice. he did a full half hour and it was it was so incredibly powerful to see everybody in the crowd on the floor of the Roseland, and yeah. he's just sitting there crisscross applesauce on stage, giving us like one of the best poetry readings. And so I think there is a, there is a good, I mean that it is a good oh, fit so with those hard. crowds. Yeah. I think
1: we did the Roseland on the Human the Death Dance tour. Also, yep. it was with Buck sixty five and Alias. I learned a lot on that there tour. Well was. I, I learned a lot by, you know, I was. Again, I was so self-conscious and so scared and and human the Death dance had just come out. like when I heard Dance Monkey, I knew that Sage was about to break. I knew, that, I knew that it was gonna get more attention than he realized in my head. And so and I knew that I was opening for this, and I was fucking terrified. So I was trying to tailor a a, a universal. I was trying to just, you know bring all the hits. Right. I remember. I remember there was a point, and it wasn't on the tour. It's actually before the tour. I got the advice, and I didn't take it. But I had done this poem called "A Waste" about being gay, about somebody telling me. It was just about. It was just about. Let's just leave it at that. It was just about being gay and yeah. in, in the South and. And I remember I did it in Minneapolis when I got off stage, Sage said, next time you do a show with me, you need to do that. Because previously I had just done some, you know, non-risky poem that everybody was going to like. Unfortunately, right. despite that advice, when I went on the Human the Death Dance tour, I still was just trying to, I mean, none of my stuff is hyper safe, but I uh, I was just trying to do the hits and not risk. And I wish now that I'm older, I had been a little more punk rock about it. It's- good i mean it's a
0: good that's a good way to look back on it as to what you know the idea of being punk rock about something like that uh and that form of expression on stage that would have been yeah. pretty powerful yeah um who do you see as kind of who is the performer that really inspires you the most i mean when you uh, or has inspired you the most are there like a couple people out there who you just watch and you're just in absolute awe of
1: oh uh, it comes in pieces i think i've probably whether subconsciously or consciously, I think I've probably copped the most mannerisms just from being on tour together for for years, uh, from Derek Brown. um,
0: (laughs) Do you bring your own Prince outfit?
1: Oh my God, no. (laughs) Derek's such a good singer. I could never pull off some of that shit. Um, But I love it when he does drunk Prince. It's one of my favorite Uh things. So, uh, uh, I think, you know, in the beginning, in the early years, there was a guy named Jason Carney out of Dallas, Texas, and the way he expressed himself gave me uh, modeled permission for me to to let a certain door, to leave a certain door open on who I am that Ooh. I probably would have otherwise taken a long time to to express in, in my movements. Um, not that they were Jason's movements. It's just there was the energy engine that he was willing to release, and it gave me permission to. So Jason Carney was a big one in the beginning, and Derek Brown more toward the end. Um, I don't know. I don't feel when poets tour long enough, we start. You know, there's stuff that I get from Anise.
0: Yeah, watching to- you and Anise on stage is always. It's that's always just such a pleasure. You guys are just, I, it's just electric. I have said it before, but it's just, it really is an electric feeling. Uh, yeah. It's Yeah, niece is niece is
1: something special. Well, if you like that kind of thing. If
0: only this was a video podcast as well. <laughs> your expression right now is, is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people don't know, but everybody
1: hates niece, man. <laughs> he makes it hard. <laughs> he, makes it, he makes it hard to love him. Uh, and then, yeah, I I, th- I think that nails the, the I mean, yeah, oh, and Ann being on tour with Andrea. Um, oh, yeah. But Andrea, it's different because uh, I don't know that Andrea and I really I think we just accidentally were born with the same actions. <laughs> 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 There's so Stop. many things. Yeah, yeah, anyways, <laughs> that, that's, that's the best I got. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to rack my brain. I'm still hung up on the movie question, frankly, because I'm leaving out so many great movies.
0: I'll be getting messages from you later with a whole list of movies.
1: <laughs> the, most impact, the most impacting one recently was uh, on Netflix. Um, Don't Look Up
0: that sounds familiar. It had, every,
1: had everybody in it, Leo DiCaprio and uh, um, yeah, about the about the the asteroid hitting the coming toward the yes. Earth and nobody would believe it. And
0: yes, uh, oh, you played the crazy scientist. It went yeah. crazy on TV. Yeah, that was no, that was a really really good movie. That was I'm fully film.
1: on board with that one. That was fantastic. Um I can't. I don't know why I would bring up a movie I'm only one eighth of the way through right now, but I can tell I'm, <laughs> I can tell I'm gonna love Hustle with Adam Sandler on Netflix right now.
0: That's on our that's on our, our watch list for this week. I can't wait to watch that one. I think it's gonna be fantastic.
1: It might be, out there, it might be the worst movie ever, and I'm just dropping it right now. Of all the things that I really want to say, <laughs> I love anything. I love anything by the French guy who did Nick Max and Amelie and. Um, mm. um, Let's stop. No, let me just. Uh, let me Amelie,
0: Amelie, is so. I used Amelie is such a. First of all, the. the I just remember the box of the DVD was just beautiful. Green slipcase it came in. They did uh-huh. such a good job with that with that DVD set. I mean, that was a. Even they for a visually stunning movie, they created an equally visually stunning cover for it. Um,
1: Can I name some that are just off of the? Yeah. Of course. I don't even know if they'll live up anymore, but I remember. There's some things that I just watched over and over again that I never claimed as a favorite movie, but I never watched other movies as many times as I did Arrival. I never watched uh, other movies as many times as I did. There was a movie called Men Don't Leave, and it had Diane Keaton and Chris O'Donnell and Joan Cusack, and it's old from when I was in like high school or college, and I would watch that movie a lot. It somehow made me safe, and then i i saw this one movie by myself when i was getting when i was coming down off of drugs <laughs> getting sober one time and it was called uh gloria with julia not julia, uh, julianne moore Ooh, who's, okay who is the only woman who makes me who's ever made me question my sexuality <laughs> all right um, there are worse choices julianne moore Juliette Lewis too a little bit <laughs> then yeah, um, but she she had a movie called Gloria and it was about this it was this lonely gal whose kids didn't like her so much and her she would go to the club and dance by herself like the whole movie is just her by herself basically hmm. with these little victories that no one will ever see because she's alone and I think Ooh. I've been experiencing that for about eight and a half years now since <laughs> since i've been single for a very long time um and i just felt witnessed by the movie i felt witnessed by her tiny victories that no one will ever see i like that um as we kind of head toward
0: the uh toward the finish line here um what is getting you excited these days uh and um it's i feel weird asking that question this week of all weeks but what's getting you excited these days Uh, And what can we find from you out there? Do you have anything uh, pending coming up?
1: Yeah, actually, uh, so every Sunday, I run a uh, online open mic. It's on Zoom, it's at 11 a.m. PST. uh, Church time, basically, no expectations. The first 20 people to sign up, read, uh, and and there's no sign-up list. Like, you know, it's just as the ticket purchases come in. Um, and if you don't want to read, then you get skipped, but there's no obligation. It's just a safe, really cool place. And I've established the sweetest crew, the sweetest audience, uh, it couldn't be funnier or kinder. Everybody. It's kind of just a community at this point. Um, it's called, it's called all the, Oh, (laughs) that's, uh, sorry about that. So it's, uh, it's called all the lovers left alive. Um, you can find out about it on my Instagram. Everything Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is all just at Buddy Wakefield. Uh, BuddyWakefield.com also has, uh, is where you can buy the tickets. But I've got that, I've got, because um, I've been just hustling random shit since COVID. I, yeah. my, my, my living doesn't come from tour anymore. So I've also got a text subscription. I send out a text today. A um, to, uh, it's, it's called you, you, you Are a True Story. I just sent out a text today uh of, of poetry or quote or what's got me inspired or it's 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 always a meaningful some it's a, it's always a meaningful tidbit and i think people really like it judging by the feedback I mean, um so all the lovers left alive you were a true story and i'm also doing private sessions now where uh poets or writers come to me with their projects and i uh Write with them, help them, uh-huh. and uh, I'm just doing private sessions. All this stuff can be found on the work with buddy page on uh, buddywakefield.com.
0: Oh, awesome man well thank you so much for hanging out with me today this has been an absolute pleasure uh, I have, I look forward to all things I will definitely be signing up to at least watch the uh, the readings and uh, I yeah. love the idea of getting a text from you today that sounds fantastic
1: well, so yeah,
0: uh, we, uh, we will talk again at some point thank you so much for hanging out and I hope you have a great rest of well I guess it's your evening over there so I hope you have a great rest of the evening
1: alright thanks a lot Chris you too right. be well be well buddy see you.